We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. In less than three months, Chicagoans will go to the polls to make their choices for the man or woman who will be the city's next mayor. There are enough challenges facing the city and the future mayor to make some people wonder why so many people want that job. And there are many factors that voters will have to consider when it comes to selecting who will have the job. We're going to talk about all of this this week. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Well, he's not running for re-election, so Rahm Emanuel has five more months or so of uh, being mayor of Chicago, and that's it. But he will help shape what his successor will face next spring. In fact, this week he's expected to outline his plan for dealing with the city's crushing pension debt. But the range of issues and communities and constituencies that the new mayor and city residents will have to confront is vast. What should the priorities be for those running and those voting? We're going to hear three different perspectives on that this weekend. Joining me in the studio is Mary Sue Barrett, president and CEO of the Metropolitan Planning Council, which monitors planning and development challenges for the region and tries to prepare for the future. She was a chief of policy for Richard M. Daley when he was mayor of Chicago and led tra- transition teams for both Mayor Emanuel and Governor Rauner. And she is a, uh, a frequent, uh, I would say, or at least occasional guest on this program. We're also joined by Gloria Castillo, president and CEO of Chicago United, which is an alliance of corporate officials dedicated to multiracial business leadership and economic equality. She has won awards for her social justice work. Also here is Gian Foreman. He's executive director of the Greater Southwest Development Corporation. Before that, he was with a real estate uh, development firm that specializes in inner city projects. He is also president of the Chicago Police Board. And uh, welcome to all three of you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, Mary Sue Barrett, I'm going to start with you. Uh, it, it matters who sits up there on the uh, fifth floor at City Hall, but what's your concern about the people who are vying to be the next mayor? Well, this only comes around once in a while in Chicago, as we have all learned. And so it's both a hopeful sign that we're seeing um, more than uh, almost almost two dozen candidates file for mayor, but it is also a sobering moment because the issues are immediate and 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 so directly impacting people's lives. The city of Chicago is not on a growth trajectory. I have great concerns about that. And our ability to deliver on the promise of true opportunity for every family, every person, every neighborhood is something we have fallen down on. So I think the biggest challenge for this conversation and for the candidates is that we can't afford to have single-issue, um, flash-in-the-pan flash, uh, kind of discussions. We need thoughtful conversations about how all of the pieces of governing fit together. And so I think that this show and, and uh, lots of other conversations um, are very important to clear the decks and make time for so that we understand what's been working in the city that we actually need to strengthen, what are the things that we have 
uh, we must improve on immediately? And and what are the, what are the issues that have been swept under the rug that um, we can no longer afford to to lie to ourselves about? Well, I want to uh, talk about uh, one issue that may not be overtly uh, being discussed right now, but uh, Gloria Castillo, race is an issue that may be attached to a lot of the issues that we're going to be dealing with. It raises its head in one way or another in most things the city copes with. Uh, but is it is it important to tackle race and diversity as a priority for this contest and for the next administration? Thanks for that question, because I think it is fundamental to being successful in Chicago. At Chicago United, what we are seeing is the from a, a data-driven basis, we are still continuing to see two cities. And so what I am looking for from a mayor is someone who has a vision for inclusion, not just in their language, but how they approach the position. So starting with modeling inclusion on their campaign team, on their transition team, who they bring into leadership. While it's wonderful to go out on a listening tour, if you don't have people around you every day who live the lives of the spectrum of people in Chicago to advise you, to bring you to uh, the boots on the ground of the people who are making change, who are creating jobs in communities, you're not going to be successful. And so the lens of racial equality is critically important. And there are so many resources in the city. I also sit on the board of the Field Foundation. And the Field Foundation has done some groundbreaking work in terms of taking a racial equity lens to our work. So we did some mapping of uh, quality of life indicators across the city, whether it's access to health care, access to the arts, um, violence, um, the commute time that people experience, and then layered that with the demographics of the city, and we can see where the disinvestment is. So someone coming to this role needs to really understand the city from that perspective because their vision for the city will be impacted by the people in each of those 77 communities. And in kind of in continuing with that thought, Gian Foreman, you're seeing things at the neighborhood level, and let's face it, it's at the neighborhood level where I think even Mayor Emanuel would admit uh, he was not able, he would say he was not able to do all that he wanted to do. Other critics would say he, it's, it's where he fell down. Uh, but how do we start the process of not making those mistakes as we go forward? Yeah, so I actually I actually take it a little bit deeper than the, the neighborhood level. I call it the dinner table level. I think that some of the changes that, that we need for the city to continue to grow in a positive way, it has to impact at the dinner table level. Um, that's jobs. That's education. That's violence in the communities. If if I'm not feeling it at the dinner table level, then it, it's very difficult for me to see how I have a future. And so um, I would like for that next mayor and the alderman, in fact, uh, even to spend some time to think about it. It's almost as you just said, um, what are those things that impact community at a micro perspective? One of the people I think who's doing a really good job of this is Jamal Cole from uh, my block, my hood, my city, where he's taking kids 
from around the city to visit different neighborhoods to really see how similar we are. And even though you may come from a neighborhood that has a little more income, bigger homes or whatever, you know, we have the same issues, transportation, safety. We all want for our kids to at least do equal to what we did, hopefully a little bit better. And so by understanding how we all are one city, I think it's critical. Now, I'm going to, uh, and, and at, from this point uh, on, now that everyone knows what everyone's voice sounds like for our listeners, um, anytime any one of you wants to jump in and add something, uh, please do. Uh, I may or may not say your name uh, as or before you speak, uh, but um, what I want to do at this point is to start talking about some issues, but I am going to stipulate there needs to be some kind of holistic approach so that if we're talking about one issue, we're not really talking only about one issue. For example, if I bring up the exodus of, of, of in many cases, African-American people, but frankly, a lot of people have been leaving the city and say, what do we need to do? I know it's, it's not going to be just crime or whatever, but I want to hear from each of you, uh, what you do to turn the flow of people from going outward to back inward. And Mary Sue, we'll, we'll start with you. But like I said, after this point, jump in. Well, fortunately, the three of us have a chance to work together on occasion. And I think that's where the magic of Chicago grounded solutions comes from. And I want a mayor who understands that, that the, all the answers don't come from government, that they need to tap leaders uh, across business, philanthropy, civic, community organizations. Uh, you know, what if we had a mayor who carried the message of of my block, my hood, my city, and um, the folded map project um, mm-hmm. that have brought people from very different corners of the city together to understand their commonality? About a year ago, the Metropolitan Planning Council quantified the cost of segregation to all of us, and one of the huge uh, takeaways of that was that if we were more inclusive and delivered on opportunity to all people and neighborhoods at that dinner table, then we would see a huge gain, $4.4 billion in, in additional African-American income, 83,000 more bachelor's degrees, 30% fewer homicides if we were just average on economic and racial segregation. So looking for candidates to own our problems, own the problem that you named of population loss, we are the slowest growing region of the top 10, and that is not something we should be complacent about. We shouldn't roll our eyes about traffic. We shouldn't roll our eyes about uh, pensions. We shouldn't roll our eyes about levels of government. These are not normal uh, facts, and, and, and if we're out of whack, we want to get back to a place that we can be proud of. So um, the population loss is just one symptom. The fact that we hit our high point in 1950 and we've been sliding ever since down to 2.7 million people in the city of Chicago, it's very difficult to pay for what we need uh, with that sliding population loss. But really what it says is that people don't feel like they have opportunity. Latino enrollment dramatically down in Chicago public schools. African-Americans leaving the city, not just poor families, middle-income families who don't feel like they're getting a fair shake. And that's that's the conversation I want to have. Yes, and I would add to that that another aspect that we really need to pay attention to in a city like Chicago is the minority business community. We actually have lost large minority businesses, and so the scale of minority business in Chicago is very small. 
we tend to support micro-businesses. But those companies who create jobs are actually the larger minority businesses. We can think back to the days of Johnson Products and, and you know, Ebony and Jet Magazine under Johnson Publishing. And we can think of those days when communities centered around large minority-owned businesses who created jobs. When we look at the data developed by Chicago United in collaboration with University of Illinois Great Cities Institute, we are seeing that we are actually lagging in scale. If we look at the top 10 subsectors of the economy, black businesses in the Chicago area are less than 2% of the revenues in those 10 top subsectors. So if we are going to bring stability to our neighborhoods, if we are going to bring inclusion, if we are going to bring in jobs, if we are going to improve the housing stock, we actually need to have a mayor who understands and supports minority business and brings together the large corporate community with minority businesses in a common vision of economic growth. Mm. Um, yeah, Foreman, uh, the, the, you know, as, as someone who deals with a, with a particular community, uh, I mean, my impression has been that there is an assumption, not just as, as Gloria said, of that minority-owned businesses are small, but it seems the system is is designed to keep them small. That that the only way you get the kind of help, the kind of attention, uh, is if your business is small, and if you grow at all, well, then you're on your own. Training wheels are off. Bye. You know, call us if you get work, and you don't. I mean, what's how do you address that and that kind of thing? How do you address businesses in your community? So it's kind of like when you were in school. The honor roll, the A students had the honor roll, the the C and the D students and the F students had extra tutoring. But it's nothing for the people in the middle, right? And if you are in the middle and you happen to grow to become an A student in a business perspective, you graduate out of the MBE or WBE programs. And so I know that city council is currently addressing that to say, okay, what's step two for me to allow to, to be able to grow this company? Um, there are some mentor mentee relationships that exist. I think we're seeing a really good example of that with the Lakeside Alliance right now and the proposed Obama presidential center. But I think a lot more of that has to happen in order for us to have a healthy city. Um, you can walk by uh, one of the cranes downtown and it's great that we have such growth but wait until a lunch break and see how many black and brown faces you see. Um, you can count them on, on one hand. And, and so, again, it's not getting back to that dinner table level. So I think that um, when we talk about equity across the city, I think that that's what we need to try to really get a firm grip on is how can we help those smaller companies become medium-sized companies, become large companies? Mary Sue. An example that builds on Guillain's, uh, we did an analysis at the Metropolitan Planning Council of this tremendous job growth in our tech sector in the central area, broadly defined as it moves um, near north and near west to the West Loop. Great story of uh, economic health and vitality. But when we looked at where those individuals were from, traditionally African-American south and west side communities were not the source of this growth. In fact, they were losing the proportion of these new downtown jobs. So that says something about on-ramps to opportunity and those Efforts that are starting to show some promise, for example, the city colleges partnering with a number of institutions on apprenticeships and mentoring and pathways to 
permanent employment show great promise, especially when they eliminate the requirement for college degrees when they aren't when they aren't necessary for some of those jobs. So I think we need more of that and recognize again that uh, we are both marketers of the good of the city. Hey, we're a tech mecca, great, but we are also um, looking for candidates who can be truth tellers to say, and everyone is not benefiting from the tech tech boom, and so something needs to to change, and we need to try some different things. Gloria, hold, hold, hold your thought. But you are listening to News Radio 780's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking about the challenges facing the next mayor of Chicago and, frankly, the voters who have to pick that mayor. And I'm going to want to talk about that in a minute. But my guests are Mary Sue Barrett, president of the Metropolitan Planning Council, Gloria Castillo, CEO of Chicago United, and Guion Foreman, director of the Greater Southwest Development Corporation. And now, Gloria Castillo. I think one of the um, things that the mayor has at its dis- at his or her disposal will be a great engaged business community. The business community wants to see Chicago be healthy. They need great talent and they need a strong minority business community. The next mayor needs to take advantage of their role to be able to engage the business community in the utilization of minority owned businesses. So the dollars don't need to be all public dollars. It is that vision of bringing the minority business community together with large corporations that will make a difference. At Chicago United, a number of our corporate members um, are engaged in our program called Five Forward. They select five local minority businesses to do business over a period of five years so they can grow, develop, build scale, and create jobs. And we've seen that have tremendous impact in terms of economic impact. So if we have a mayor who really understands how to bring the two segments together and actually catalyze that, we could see some very advanced progress very rapidly. So here's where I want to start talking about how we can see that kind of mayor. And I don't want to necessarily people to name names, but more methods because with a large field of candidates, and we're going to say that it's not going to be 21 Hmm. when the petition challenges get finished. And frankly, even when the election board looks at some petitions, they can look at some petitions and even on their own say, okay, seven pages of signatures is not 12,500. But even a field of eight or 10 candidates is hard for people to sift through. So what kinds of questions should people be asking? What kinds of, uh, what kinds of ways can, do they have of being able to differentiate from, from a campaign that's going to be largely sound bites? Uh, Gian Foreman? So one of the things I think it's interesting to take a look at, and I'll use myself as an example. I remember when Jane Byrne was the mayor, but I was a little kid. So the, Biggest thing I remember is when she moved into the projects. I don't really remember too much. I remember Belandic, but the only thing I really remember was the snowstorm. I remember Harold Washington, but I was a kid, and he died when he was in office, and so it was legendary to me, but I wasn't thinking about policy issues. So basically, my whole adult life, I've only experienced Mayor Daly and Mayor Emanuel. That's it. And so I don't have a large pool to make a decision. And a lot of people my age and younger, that that's been our only voting experience. And so just all of the candidates, 8, 10, 
15, whatever it is, they're speaking largely to a, a voting population now who we don't have a large base of experience. And so we're thinking about what are the issues that impact us directly and indirectly. You know, if I don't understand the pension crisis that we're in, these candidates, they're going to have to take the time to explain what that means to me, again, from a dinner table perspective. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot of education that's going to have to take place. Um, um, I think that's that's right. I, I'm a few years older than you, Guion, but my uh, I was new to Chicago just as Harold Washington um, was tragically um, uh, became ill and died in office just as he was beginning his second term. And so that era of progressive politics um, coming out of the council wars very much shaped the, you know, how, how does Chicago tackle its problems? Do we back into our corners and do we duke it out or do we come together? And so I think we're at, at that moment again where there's a yearning uh, after our divisive politics on a national level and our inaction at a state level to say, what can we do to unlock what so many of us see as great assets of, of the city and the region, but they're not working together. I don't, I don't mean just the people. I mean the assets, too. I mean, where else, where else do you have an amazing lakefront and uh, riverfront that's being rediscovered, universities, parks, uh, sectors that are diverse and, and vibrant, conventions that are growing, um, the talent and the diversity of the city? I know I'm, I'm, I'm just ticking off the, the, the assets that we all feel in our bones, but we don't then stack them up and look at how those can be deployed to bring back neighborhoods. If neighborhoods have lost 50% population and their retail corridor is gone, and then we, we, we put one investment in one area and expect, ta-da, uh, this one retail establishment is going to turn around a neighborhood, and then we're disappointed when it doesn't, then we're, we're, we're not being engaged in, in the kind of body politic that we, we need to. So I don't want a, a mayoral candidate to, to sell me something sweet, um, I want to understand the issues and say it's going to be hard, but that if we have coordinated investment, we've been involved with organizations in Pullman, for example, that have really worked hard, uh, and the documentation um, working with Chicago Neighborhood Initiatives is really compelling that when you do take coordinated approach to investment in the people, in the institutions, in the workforce, and in, and in the employers, you can see some turnaround on poverty and population um, and vitality. So we can't do that everywhere at once, and that's that's a tough love message. In other words, not every neighborhood is going to come back overnight, but uh, I, I think that we need to demand in this short campaign that we have debates that are not just about what do you think of this one trial. We need to think about the structural issues um, and look to our mayoral candidates to at least leave the options on the table. Uh, is there a risk, though, that at a time when some of those economic moves are being hampered by a public fear and of uh, and, a, and a very real fear of crime and the other? I mean, public safety is uppermost on a lot of people's minds, and you could have major debates just about that. I mean, are we are we in danger of focusing on individual? an issue like that and it's an issue that has to be focused on uh i mean what how do we keep from the trap 
of just listening to the person who tells us we can make you I can make you safe. I don't know about my colleagues here, but I know of at least a half a dozen uh, efforts underway to do candidate forums after the holidays on multiple issues. And here you are having a show, you know, early December. Uh, I think that the rest of the media is is taking this moment very seriously. And we ought to be partners in that of getting the, the topics out there. Um, but I think uh, with that kind of crowded field, it won't be the um, campaigning from the ivory tower. Candidates are going to have to go out there and accept invitations from people who are grappling with these issues, in the, whether it's in the neighborhood or uh, with citywide organizations. So I hope that we keep our expectations high, that we expect to hear from our candidates in multiple forums and then work together to make sure we set the stage for those conversations that it should be about crime and economic development and our schools. Um, that that's, that's the way neighborhoods and economies turn around. You know, Mary Sue, I, I think it's yeah. an ecosystem. I, I think that if we can create some economic development opportunities in the community, which result in jobs, there's a reduction in crime, which if I have a job, I can pay rent and I can have better quality of, of, of housing and I can spend time looking at my kids' homework or going to talk to my school to make sure that that school has up-to-date textbooks, right? It's an ecosystem. And and so, um, I mean, there's there's some simple things. We don't have to create the next Google um, in Philadelphia, they have a program, Philadelphia Land Care, where ex-offenders and, and people who are out of work and, and underemployed, they take care of some of the vacant land, that city-owned vacant land, and it's a public-private partnership. Um, you know, I think that there's some, we don't have to start with the, with the hardest solutions. We can start with some simple solutions. Um, Gloria Castillo? I would say that there's a really interesting opportunity here because we have so many neighborhood organizations they understand their issues with boots on the ground and they're smart people with great um with great ideas to address the issues in their own neighborhoods and it's it's being um systemic in the approach it's really having the big vision and bringing everyone into that vision and hearing those voices i think that that's part of the reason why People are somewhat disaffected from government and don't trust government is because we're not actually talking to people who are doing really great work, boots on the ground. And our foundation community knows every one of those organizations. So if you think about how we can bring people together, if we start with the foundation community, ask them who is doing great work. They know who's making real impact. They know. So we have assets that are the hard assets. They're the assets that everyone knows about. But to layer that with the neighborhood assets, with people who know what's going on in their own neighborhoods, that's where we can see some real radical change. And we only have a couple of minutes left. But I, I mean, one of my pet peeves is that we will see on transition teams uh, a diversity of opinion, a diversity of experience. My worry is that after the transition teams are over, we don't necessarily see that reflected in the departments and the uh, the administrations. Uh, and and I and I wonder whether people will hold officials accountable for that after the after the fact. Gloria, you raised that earlier. I think it's a really important point. So perhaps that's a pact we can make right now, which is let's start thinking about that today, all of us, of who are the good people. Um, that need to be engaged as advisors today 
and as um, future talent serving on boards and commissions. I remember when I went to work for Mayor Daly, I was shocked that there was about 900 mayoral appointments to boards and commissions. You don't know 900 people who are ready to serve on day one. So you need help from and input from all corners of the city on on that kind of talent um, uh, attraction uh, uh, assignment. But I but I think that the um, the the issues before us are are ones where that can be more than just lip service today um, on on a, a a group of advisors on your transition team should then carry over to people that you're going to be listening to and and not falling into the trap, which I think happens too quickly with with new officials uh, of of saying, I've got all the answers. And that is going to be the final word. That was Mary Sue Barrett, president of the Metropolitan Planning Council. We also heard from Gloria Castillo, CEO of Chicago United and Guion Foreman, director of the Greater Southwest Development Corporation. Thank all of you for spending this time with us. We need to do this again. Thank you. Uh, and we will. Uh, to our listeners, if you want a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website at WBBMnewsradio.com. Just follow the audio links. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.